Hi, welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen today, you are blessed and encouraged. Thank you so much for listening in. If you want any more information about our ministry, we'd love you to jump onto our website, harvestaustralia.org. Have a great day. I want to start by reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll, we're going to start reading straight away. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 9 to 11 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Brokenness is your secret weapon. And it's my secret weapon. It's in this day and age, brokenness and weakness is frowned upon. Whatever realm of life you're in, unless you're going to play that as a weapon, which is sometimes now pulled out as a weapon to to make others feel bad. But if it's genuine brokenness, we tend to not be particularly proud of that. It doesn't get a whole lot of likes on social media unless we're doing that for a reason. But In and of ourselves, all of us will know there's times where we feel broken or there's areas of our life where we feel broken. That is potentially the very area that God will use for breakthrough. It's potentially the very area that he's trying to show us some things, shine his light into our life and bring about good. 2 Corinthians 12 is actually an incredible passage, what we just read. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. If you are feeling weak this morning, you are in the perfect place. If you have anxiety this morning, it's okay. Because his power is sufficient for you. His power is sufficient for your weakness. For your insufficiency, that's what his power is released for. We just have to get plugged in sometimes. I... uh, I've been challenged in the last few weeks in, in uh, just looking around at the world and just being made aware of stuff. And, and sometimes you just have to turn off stuff because you get overloaded, right? But we are in a situation in the world where uh, obviously there's never been a time like this, but it's an interesting time because we are more affluent in the West, but also in developing nations too, where there used to be just outright poverty, people en masse moving to cities and have access to an affluence that have never had before. And so there is a whole different pressure around the world that's never existed before. And yet, I was reading this week, I was just going back, and I do this from time to time when I begin to ponder, uh, and and I always have this tension of, God, you're going to have to bring an awakening, but what do we do in the meantime? And I always think of Habakkuk chapter 2 that says, though it tarry, wait for it. And I think, what an annoying passage. (laughs) Though it tarry, wait for it. I mean, of course we're going to wait for it. But do you know what? It's, it's, it's like this fish hook that God's put out to every believer. 
that you and I know God's got to do something. But in the meantime, we've got to do something. And so he's put this supernatural fish hook out to us and, and we've got to chase it. We've got to chase it. And then there's times when we just, we just give up and it's still there, annoyingly. Uh, you know, particularly in our 20s, we read every single book we could get our hand on that had the word revival in it or awakening in it. Every single thing we could get hold of. Many of you have done the same and doing the same. And, uh, and it's interesting because it, it really, uh, that fish hook is there. And, uh, uh, but it's, it's an annoying fish hook because it sits in you. And you know what? It never leaves. Even when we try and turn away, God has put something in us for an awakening that never leaves, even when we turn away. And so even in our doubt, even when we turn away, his power is made perfect in our brokenness, in our weakness. I love this bit where it says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. If you are feeling weak in whatever situation you're going through today, pray that prayer. That Christ's power may rest on your weakness, may rest on your doubt, your fear, your insecurity, whatever it is. It's an opportunity for Christ's power to rest on you and rest on me. When we're going through times where we're questioning or where we have a battle on our hands, and sometimes the battle is greater than at other times, that's often when we dial in a little more closely to, to God and we press in a little bit more because we find we have to access something that we don't have. The truth is we need something in this city and in this nation that we don't have right now. And we are in a state of brokenness. We are in a state of brokenness as a society. It's interesting. I was reading about England and the condition of England prior to the Great Awakening with Wesley, the Wesley brothers and, and Whitfield and, and some of the other great leaders. And it said that England at the time, every sixth, sixth house was a grog store. Every sixth house you imagine that in your local suburb. Every sixth house, pick it, you know, go along the line and whatever number you are, every six of those is selling grog to people. There was that much drunkenness. There was obviously poverty. There was slavery en masse. And it took Wesley and the awakening to influence Wilberforce to stand against slavery. There's pivotal times throughout history where God has brought awakenings and he needs to bring awakenings so that it will change the destiny of history. In the, in the Protestant Reformation, it was said that the, that the whole of Europe was on fire in a good way and in a bad way. And that's often what happens in revival, isn't it? Chaos ensues and, and just confusion. But somehow in the midst of that, God's bomb is going off. And so this is one of those pivotal times where we look at England and we say, wow, Lord, you did it then. You're going to need to do it again. You're going to need to do it again. But what do we do in the meantime? Well, I'm going to take a little rabbit trail and it's not in my notes, but um, bear with me. Is that okay? Thank you. I can hear some Marty, so I, I love you, whoever you are. <laughs> I want, I, want to, I want to do something. I want to challenge the, the ladies, you can just relax. 
Just undo your seatbelt, just relax. Is that okay? This is purely for the men right now. Men, we need to wake up. Because we, we are the ones that God has ordained and given authority. And for the last few generations, we've let that go. We've just let it go. (laughs) Spiritually in the church, it's the women who are stoking the fire. Generally speaking, I know you can bring some examples to me of where this isn't happening, and that's okay. I'm talking generally. I read back to the Great Awakening, and I read about Wesley and his tribe of 60 young men in their 20s studying Oxford, multiple languages, Latin and scriptures. And uh, I mean, I'm just like, Jesus, that alone is an awakening. And this was before the awakening. And they, they met. In Fetter Lane on New Year's Eve around 1930, uh, 1738, I think it was, uh, 60 young men met for what they called a love feast. A love feast. They have a, a feast together all night in prayer. All night in prayer. And, uh, and they met, prayed, sang, they had communion after the feast, and the power of God fell on them. Now, these are conservative what we would call conservative evangelicals, Anglican, you know, Protestant, quite orthodox, not Pentecostal, young men who love the scriptures and and decide to meet. And I I look at this particular thing and and I realise, wow, (laughs) we need an awakening before we have an awakening. But men, it's on our watch. It's on our watch. We are responsible. Yes, of course, women are responsible as well. But I take personal responsibility for what happens in my generation. And I believe we as men need to take more responsibility, not shirk responsibility, not blame shift. Too busy, too busy to pray, too busy to do this, too busy to do that. You know what? While that's happening, all sorts of things are going on. All sorts of things are going on in society, around us. And so I take personal responsibility when I remember things like this and I realise it takes something from men to awaken a city. It takes something. And I'm not saying we're going to have a prayer meeting all night, have a love feast. I mean, we'd have to put on something seriously special to get 60 men to an all-night prayer thing. But maybe not. Maybe if I can just... Maybe if I can just... We, we have uh, flint that we like. Balin loves lighting the fires with flint and, uh, you know, hunting style. And uh, it takes something. It takes something to get that thing going. You need magnesium. You need some really dry stuff. And you flint, 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 flint. And there it goes. And who knows? Maybe this morning, you know, even during worship, like Karen said, God's moving. He's, he's moving. He's stirring. And I, I just want to stir the pot this morning. Is that okay, guys? Good, awesome. If it's not okay, it's okay. You can leave and go to Macca's, have a good lunch. But I've done my job if I say whatever God's asking us. And, and believe me, I don't say this lightly because I know this week God's already asked things of me and last week and the week before and, you know, he's, he's doing that. But we've let lethargy, we've let boredom and disappointment and all sorts of things get in the way of the simplicity of, of prayer praying maybe for our family, praying for our community and being 
holding the mantle of spiritual authority in our region. We've, we've let so many things get in the way of that. And I want to ask you guys, I want to ask you guys, beg with you guys and be the flint maybe this morning that says enough is enough because our society needs you. Our society needs us, us men standing up for what we're called to do, to be warriors in the land, to be prayer warriors, to actually stand up and do something. Not let, I mean, I love women when they, they do stuff and they're called to stuff and we champion that. And I mean, Karen's a, a firebrand in so many ways, you know that. But I'm telling you, it's, it's going to take men to shake things. And if, if yeah. <laughs> Suzanne's clapping away. Stuart, you watch out this week. Is... <laughs> oh, you do. That's true. That is true. But you know what? There's, there's a weakness, a spiritual weakness about men in the church in Australia. A spiritual weakness and it's apathy. And we, we can't just keep going on, you know. We, we can't just keep going on doing this while society's declining and, and even churches are declining. I know there's a few, few that, that aren't, but ultimately they're just combining of churches. They're not necessarily salvations and what we'd call actual genuine in that sense reaching the community. You know what I mean? Let's just call it as it is. But man, it's on our watch. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? This week, what are you going to what am I going to do about it? It's a it's a challenging thought. I know I say this, you know, randomly, but you know the truth is we're weak. We are weak, but his power is made perfect in our weakness. In our brokenness, that's when he comes in. Sometimes we just got to be willing to say I'm broken. And you know what, man? We're broken. We're broken. And the church in so many ways has not got that fire that it once had. Partly because, men, we've let it go. Partly because of a whole lot of other things. But we need to step back into that place where we say, yeah, we're weak, we're broken, but we need Christ's power to rest on us. And men, we need Christ's power to rest on us like never before. We need it in this region. We need it in this city because... Things, things will happen in our society that unless we have a, a, a strength and a fight in us, we will just get absolutely swamped. We will get swamped. So we need to prepare. We need to be strong. We need to be armed with righteousness, armed with goodness. And uh, so that's a little bit of a sideswipe, but you can just take a breath and just give each other a high five. Is that Okay. Or, or don't if you don't want to. It's <laughs> Interesting thing about brokenness is that Jesus, the Son of God, the God-man, man-God, this incredible human being who came down on earth to reveal God's glory to us, and had all power and all authority and incredible resources at his fingertips. John the Baptist said when he saw him coming in John 1.29, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God. Yes, here comes a farm analogy. <laughs> this week I was rounding up some more sheep. And one lamb got stuck in the a small paddock, and this time I had my dog on a long 
lead. So Buddy's on a long lead and I had good hold of him. I thought, he's not going to do this again. And I was fascinated because I'd never really seen this before, but so I'm rounding him up. All of the other ones went perfectly and it all went good, okay? Don't worry, he's, he did well. Actually, he helped me a lot. But this one lamb, as soon as I walked up with Buddy, this one lamb just crumbled, went to the ground and would not move and, and basically just laid there prepping for, you know, whatever's coming. And instantly I thought to myself, wow, they have nothing in them. There's no fight. They are completely yielded and they're just ready for anything. You know, they'll just give in. There's no fight. There's no aggression. There's nothing there whatsoever. And it taught me a lesson about the Lamb of God. Jesus came like a lamb to the slaughter in complete weakness, in complete brokenness. He did this act void of all that power, void of all that authority for you and for me. He rid himself of all of that for ultimate authority, for ultimate power. See, what you've thought is your weakness is actually your strength. What you've thought is your brokenness, God will actually use for his glory. His power will rest on your humility. His power will rest on your self-awareness, on even on your anxieties. And, and let me just lift, list off some things in case you don't quite believe me. Moses couldn't talk fluently. David was too young. Esther was from the wrong nation. Abraham and Sarah were way too old. Elijah ran from Jezebel with empty threats. Peter denied Jesus. Joseph was in prison. Paul persecuted the Christians. Mary Magdalene had demons. All of these things were brokenness and weakness. And you could list off a whole lot more about Scripture, but also about your life. God will use you even though you are weak. He will use you even though you don't have enough faith. Even though you can't see beyond the mountain, he wants to use you. He wants to use you to reach others in this community. And I believe that one of the most powerful awakenings that can happen is in one person. One person. When one person gets a snapshot of what is possible with Jesus. What is possible with Jesus and you. When he partners with you, when he couples his anointing with you, Anything can happen. Anything can happen. Begin to dream bigger. Begin to see bigger because God wants to use you. And our society needs us as Christians to really shine the light. Just like when you read a couple of hundred years ago in England and, and there were a whole lot of other things going on. Another statistic I read that I thought, wow, that's similar to today in a completely different way is that so many of the babies born in that society, I've forgotten the statistic, but it was something like 97% of babies born, especially in the impoverished, you know, in the, in the slums, if you like, died. Now, they died because they're impoverished, and, and here we are talking about abortion. And the, and, the, and the same radio station I'm lis listening to this week that a few weeks ago was talking about the abortion bill and supporting it, they're now talking about ways where they can put the uh, clamp on the umbilical cord and a baby in a different place so we can save more babies. And I'm thinking, we live in a stupid world, an absolutely stupid world, where the same radio announcer can say on the one hand this and report this on the other hand. It's like, did you not hear yourself a few weeks ago? It's on your watch, men. 
It's on your watch. It's on your watch. So many women fight for this stuff. But it's men who actually are called to be the warriors to fight for some of this stuff. Have you ever written a letter, man, to an MP? Have you ever gone and seen them? Have you ever rung their office? Have you ever been praying for your local leaders or whoever it is? Have you been praying this very week? Have you been in the Word of God this very week over your family, over your situation? If you haven't, you're asleep. You're asleep and you're at the steering wheel. Men are at the steering wheel and we're called to rise up. And I'm not doing this just to make you feel bad. I'm doing this because when we look at the condition of the world and when we pray and we seek God, men, we have a responsibility. And most women that I see already know it. They're doing it. They're already praying. They're interceding. They're, they're saying, come on, Jesus, wake him up, wake him up, wake him up. I'm telling you, it would scare many men if we actually knew what our wives were praying. And I mean that half-jokingly. Get him, Jesus. Wake him up, Jesus. Please show him how to be a leader of our family. Show him how to lead our family. Show him how to be a spiritual warrior and cover us in prayer and cover us. And, and this is me. This is me. It's one of those things that we are challenged with. And, and even you young guys who maybe aren't married yet, I want to say to you, this is your calling. This is your calling as a husband. And this is what we're called to do. And this is what happens when we recognize we are broken and, and many of us will feel like we haven't, we're not equipped with what we need. But that's exactly what God wants. It's exactly what he wants. All we have to do is admit it. Yes, I'm weak. Yes, I'm frail. I don't even know how to pray. I don't even know how to be a dad or a husband. I don't even know how to do some of this stuff. It's okay. Because in that weakness, Christ's power is made perfect. In that place. Isaiah 41.10 says, Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. See, Jesus has already been victorious. He's already won the victory for you and for me. He's already died on the cross. He's already conquered sin and death. And he's planning a place for you and me to be with him in eternity. I don't know why anyone would want to miss eternity with Jesus. But those of us who are in the family of God, let's, let's dial up our prayer. <laughs> because generally, and I've looked at enough moves of God to know there is no formula. I wish there was. But prayer seems to be a common theme. However it happens, it doesn't matter. It can be long meetings. It can be all night. It can be just faithful people. It can be like in Hebrides. It can be some older ladies just getting together, praying and crying on, on their faces for God to do something. It could be whatever. But prayer seems to be one of those ingredients that ushers in God moving on a, a region or, on a, or an area. And so it takes all of us. It takes all of us. So I want to call you to a new level of prayer. Call you to a new level of prayer. Whatever that looks like, whatever it sounds like, it, it doesn't really matter. God hears you. He hears your cry. And so this is something, Karen and I, we've just been talking about this in the last few months. And that is that 
we've been a church that have seen God move. And, and it's kind of frustrating. Because when you've seen God move, it's like, come on, God, we know you can do it. It doesn't take much, doesn't it, Jill? It's just it's, it's nothing. I don't know whether he points or zaps or moves a rod or whatever. What does he do? I don't know. He does something. And when he does something, everything changes. Everything changes. And many of you, you've, you've seen God move. Maybe in your own life you've encountered him or you've seen God move. Or maybe you've never seen him. I, I will always remember Karen and I were leaders at a camp, Milo Baptist uh, camp up, up at Milo, funnily enough. And... Um, I remember there was, I don't know, 80 young people there and we're sort of crammed in that old chapel. They have freezing cold tile floors. I need to carpet that thing, but maybe they have now. But anyway, it was a, I think it was a Sunday morning and, um, you know, it'd been a good time, okay time, normal Baptist youth camp, you know, as many of you have been on and, you know, we'd had fun and whatnot, but nothing dramatic spiritually. In fact, I can remember looking around thinking, it's going to take something from God to, you know, to stir us up. Um, but anyway, we were speaking at the, at the camp and the Sunday morning and we were speaking and I will never forget this because I think I, think I was sharing at the, at the moment and uh, Karen and I were speaking that weekend on, I can't even really remember, but the Sunday morning came and, you know, it was okay, I sort of you know, Sunday morning, no sleep, um, you know, raggedy eyes, probably a few people in the back row fast asleep or whatever, you know, very normal, normal, normal. And all of a sudden, I think it was either after the worship or just in some time when we were sharing, there was about five kids on the front row and God began to move on them. And I remember I was speaking at the time going, do I stop? Do I not? Uh, is this awkward? Are they faking something? See, here's the logic kicking in. You know, Jonathan Edwards was incredibly logical, just to say something there. So nothing wrong with being logical. But I remember looking and going, uh-oh, okay, this is getting louder now, and they're beginning to speak in tongues. And I know they hadn't been filled with the Spirit in that way before. They did not speak in tongues. And so I think I'm looking over at Karen and we're like, okay, this is getting a little noisy now. And one, and one guy began to really dial it up and speaking in tongues, speaking in tongues, and then the next one, and then the next one, and then the next one. And um, it just got to the stage where it was just, okay, this is chaos. We're calling the meeting and we just prayed, I think, didn't we? We just prayed, all right, God, you're doing something. You're breaking into this meeting. You're doing something. And he stirred those guys and, and before long, I don't know what happened. Do you want to say something? Why don't you come and, and just share a minute or something? Because I think it's, <laughs> it's nice to hear from other people from time to time, yeah? He's doing great, isn't he? <laughs> it was a really special weekend and it was one of those spontaneous moves of God, but it was preceded by prayer. It was preceded by those who'd been on their faces praying. And God did move on these young people who began spontaneously praying in tongues, groaning, groaning from within their spirit on their faces at the front of the auditorium, in front of their friends, <laughs> groaning, which turned into roaring, <laughs> which turned into tears, flooding of tears. And then they spontaneously started to get up and 
we stopped sharing and preaching and I was on the floor at that stage and Marty was just sitting there overcome by God. They spontaneously got up and just started praying for everyone else in the room and others started speaking in tongues and crying and groaning. And then one of them got up and said, we need to get baptised. And then they all ran into the pool. And then we find ourselves in the swimming pool at this camp on a Sunday morning. And I don't, I don't remember how many, but I think it was nearly the entire room that was baptised that morning in the swimming pool after that service. And then that week, they went home and we had stories of them in their classrooms on their faces, crying and groaning. And in the staff room at the school, confronting the teachers (laughs) and they were on fire and they were really, really impacted by the power of the Holy Spirit and he did something. He did something. He did something really special. Yeah. 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 Awesome. So, hey, why don't you stand? And uh, yeah, just close your eyes and lift your hands. I have no clue what God wants to do right now. But you know, you guys are hungry for God. So you just respond however, you know, it's not as not slapping anyone or getting too much attention just for, you, for the sake of it. I mean that. You know, we're not here just to raise attention for ourselves. But we're here to give glory to God and see if he'll actually come and do something. Wouldn't it be amazing if on a Sunday morning like this, all dressed nicely, smelling nicely, God broke in. How would that be? Would that be okay? Well, yeah. Go for it. Lord, we just ask that you would come and in our weakness, in our brokenness, that you would come and move. You would come and move. Holy Spirit, we say come in this place. You are free to move. We give room for you. We give space and time for you right now. We give priority to you, Jesus. And we say, come and walk amongst us. We pray that the fire of God would begin to fill us and touch us and refresh us. And that your presence would saturate this place. If you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, whatever, prophesying, just then I want you to come out the front right now. Just stand out here. I I believe as you step out in faith, he's going to begin to do that anyway. But if you want that, young or old, it doesn't matter. Especially you young guys. If you haven't haven't experienced that, God wants to touch you. He wants to fill you with his fire. And I'm telling you, we need it. We need it. We need you. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up just as... As we, you know, we're just going to see what God wants to do for a few minutes. If you really need to go, you're absolutely welcome to go. We bless you. But we're just going to give God some space and time this morning to move. And if you're hungry for that baptism and filling of his spirit, then come out the front. Don't worry about anyone else. You just come. You just come. And Lord, we say come and move on us. On us men, Lord, we repent of laziness and lethargy and letting everything else overrun us and take over us and for letting go of our, our sword that you gave us. And we ask that you would come and you would awaken us. Awaken us, Holy Spirit. 
Awaken us, Holy Spirit.